We are in Joshua chapter 4. So last week we finished Joshua chapter 3. Does anybody remember anything about Joshua chapter 3? What was the big event that happened in Joshua chapter 3? You can use your... It's an open book pop quiz question. Joshua chapter 3, what does it say? What happened? Crossing the Jordan River. Good job reading the headline of your Bible, Izzy. Yeah, they crossed the Jordan River. And we talked about how that was uh, very similar to what other major event for the children of Israel? Nope, not that. What would you say? Yes, parting the Red Sea. So the parting of the Red Sea was the very beginning of their time wandering in the wilderness. And the parting of the Jordan River was the conclusion of them uh, walking through the wilderness. Because once they crossed the Jordan River, where did they find themselves? In the promised land. In the promised land. Yeah, so they wandered for 40 years. And uh, the, the whole time in the wilderness was bookended by these two events. The crossing of the Red Sea at the beginning and the crossing of the Jordan River at the end. Uh, there was just a lot of parallels. So Moses was there when they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, that kind of solidified him as their leader. Joshua was there when they crossed the Jordan River. And that kind of solidified him uh, as their leader. And so uh, they, the thing that the people of the Promised Land had been worried about, if you remember when the, the spies went and they were, with, they were with Rahab, and what did Rahab say about what she knew about the Israelites? What was her general feeling towards the Israelites? Yeah, they were afraid. They heard about some of the things that that God had done for the Israelites, and so she said that her people were afraid, and she they knew that they were coming. So, the the Israelites crossing the Jordan River and they arrive in the Promised Land. They're you know within a mile or two of Jericho, and uh, they're 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 headed that way. And so um, God listed off a bunch of people groups in uh, Joshua three verse. 10 says, And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. So he he calls out these different uh, people groups, and uh, you know he's saying, I'm I'm going to deliver all of these people to you. And so they arrive in the promised land, and they're getting ready to do uh, what they've been kind of building for and preparing for for the last 40 years. And so uh, chapter 4 is a kind of a more in-depth uh, study of, or description of them actually crossing the Jordan River. So chapter 3 ended with, in verse 17, And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So that's like a quick description of what happened. The priests are standing there, there's dry ground, and all the Israelites are able to walk across uh, on dry ground. And then uh, chapter 4 goes into a little more detail on, on what happened and, and some other things that they did. So, um, okay, have you guys ever thought about a like what it would be like to be part of a particular Bible story? Maybe like in Sunday school you're hearing about. So for me, David and Goliath is one of the stories that um, I think would have been really cool to be a part of uh, or to, like, to be there for that. Um, any of you guys have a particular story that you would have thought about would be cool to be part of? Um, the, maybe um, Jack 
<laughs> That's a very interesting story to be part of. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you just want to be in the tent whenever she no. puts a spike to this guy's head. Okay. Anybody else have any stories that they thought it would be cool to be part of? Esther. Yeah. Just want to be in the kingdom during Esther's time. Be there for Jonah when he gets swallowed by the fish. <laughs> yeah, would you want to be on the boat with him? That was not a good boat to be on. Yes. Although when they threw him over, then it was fine. So, uh, oh, there's a lot of cool stories I think that have been fun to be part of. Really anything that, you know, when Jesus is on the earth, I mean, to be able to see Jesus physically do uh, a lot of the things that he did. Um, you know, when Daniel in the lion's den, that's a cool story to be part of. Uh, for wa- watching Moses part the Red Sea or this story right here, uh, you know, miraculous things that um, that have never been like done before or never been done since. Uh, those kinds of things would be cool. Um, I don't know, probably none of you guys remember 2015. So that's eight years ago. How old were all of you guys in 2015? Six. Elizabeth, you're the oldest one. How old were you in 2015? You're 17 now, and it was seven, eight years ago. So you'd have been, yeah, nine or ten. So we're in Joshua chapter four. Uh, okay, so in 2015 in Kansas City, a big event happened. Anybody know what it was? 2015. Yes, the Royals. Good job, Claire. The Royals won the World Series in 2015. So uh, in I think it was on November 4th or November 2nd, maybe uh, is when they had the parade downtown. And so me and Brenda went down. We took the boys down. So Jackson would have been five. You were born in 2010, right? So you would have been five. Yeah. So, yeah, two and five. So we took them down there with us, and we weren't exactly sure what we were going to get into. But there was, you guys have probably seen pictures of it. There was like seven or 800,000 people lined up down the roads and uh, up the hill by the Liberty Memorial, all down by Union Station. And so we were there for that. We were there for like, I don't know, four or five hours, something like that. It was a really long time. It was kind of boring waiting for the parade to come. And then right before the parade got there, we had a good view of the street from where we were. But then right before the parade got there, everyone in front of us like put kids up on their shoulders. And so everyone got really tall. So then whenever the parade floats came or the people came by we could barely see the tops of a couple things um so it's kind of annoying because we couldn't really see what we were there to see but the cool part about it was uh and really like all around kansas city during the season before that because in 2014 they went to the world series and they lost and then 2015 they were good all year long and they won the world series and then 2016 they weren't super good but those like couple years for being in kansas city Every, everywhere you went was blue and yellow, and people were talking about the Royals. Uh, I never really watched a lot of baseball as a kid or even as, a, as an adult. But during those years, like, we, we had the TV on at our house, like, pretty much every day a baseball game was on, or I was listening to stuff on the radio. Like, the whole city was kind of, like, interested in the Royals. My mom, who's not a sports fan at all, 
she was interested in what was happening with the Royals. We all knew who these people were. We recognized their faces. We kind of felt like, um, I don't know, you kind of felt like you were part, not part of the team, like you were playing with the team, but like you felt like connected with these players. And there was a time of like camaraderie about really around the whole city. And whenever we went down for the parade, it was kind of that same way where it was like, um, like there was no, usually when you get that many people in one space like that and everyone just kind of sitting around, uh, you know, there's fights, there's stuff that breaks out. There was like really none of that happened at this. I mean, it was all these people and everyone was just like excited to be there and excited about the fact that the Royals had won. And uh, so it was a time of like camaraderie in the city and the whole city kind of unified around uh, the Royals. And so the reason I was talking about David and Goliath, as I kind of feel like it would be, it would have been similar, uh, with him, uh, with, with being there for that. So think about the story of David and Goliath. So David shows up, right? And this giant, Goliath, had been coming out every day for 40 days and basically been taunting the Israelites and saying, uh, you know, send out somebody to fight me. And if, if he wins, then we'll be your servants. And if I win, then you guys will be our servants. And for 40 days, he had been like taunting the Israelites to, to do this, right? And they were all afraid and they were scared about uh, what was going to happen. And no one wanted to step up and go fight him. And then David shows up and David's like, you know, what's this guy doing? Like, who is this guy to defy the armies of the living God? And so he's like, I'll, I'll go out there and fight him. And everyone I'm sure is looking at David like, you know, he's this young, you know, probably teenage kid or young early 20s kid. Um, they're like, you know, are you gonna, you gonna do this? And so just, I think to be part of that with the reason I was talking about the Royals is kind of the same kind of thing. As soon as he goes out there, um, I mean, I, I remember watching Royals games and like watching things happen and you, like when there's an exciting moment that happens or when they, when they win a big game, when they won their, you know, the first playoff game, when they get to the World Series and then they win, you know, they win a couple games in the World Series, uh, you know, you get really excited and you get like this, this feeling of like, we like we are winning. We're like we're going to do this, and same kind of thing with David. I'm guessing when the you know when he goes out there and he's carrying a slingshot and a you know bag of stones, um, you know the people probably a lot of the people were like, what is what is this guy doing? Like how is this going to work? Goliath has a shield and this gigantic spear and a sword, and he's you know twice as tall as David. How is this going to happen? David doesn't even have armor on, um, but as soon as he throws the stone and it hits Goliath. And he falls down, right? I'm guessing people were cheering and, and freaking out, thinking, hey, we might be able to win this thing. Uh, and then, of course, he goes out and kills Goliath and cuts off his head and all that stuff. I just think it would have been a similar, it's different, but similar to just that, that excitement that you would feel. And then they, you know, then they go chase the Philistines and run them off. And um, so, anyways, all that, how does that apply to this story? So, the Israelites have been talking about the promised land since Abraham, like way back in Genesis chapter, I think it's chapter 12, where Abraham gets promised this land. That's why we call it the promised land. And since Abraham, they've not had, they've not been living in this land as a people group. So when they went into Egypt with Joseph, so remember Joseph, he gets sold into slavery into Egypt and he's in Potiphar's house and he goes to jail you guys know the story of Joseph, and he gets promoted to second in command of, of all of Egypt, and then his brothers come and visit him, and they're wanting food, uh, and so he says, "Hey, go get go get Dad." And once he presents himself and tells who he is, "Go get Dad and everyone. Let's like we're all going to move here and live in Egypt." Okay, that's where the nation of Israel really started uh, in Egypt, and they lived there for I think about 400 years in captivity before they got uh, you know 
rescued by, or not rescued, but um, what's the word? Freed isn't the word, but they get freed from captivity um, with Moses, and then they wander for 40 years. And now this these people, the, this group of people that are alive in Joshua chapter 4, uh, they're the generation. They are the group of people that for the last several hundred years, their, their people have been hearing about this event that's coming. We're going to be entering into the promised land, and it's been promised to them for a very long time. And these are the people that get to be alive to see uh, that happen, to see that come to fruition, where they actually get to be the first ones to walk into the promised land, uh, something that they've been hearing about uh, for a really long time. And so... Uh, there's a there's a parallel with us. Um, they may know the parallel I'm getting towards about being that they they are the generation that gets to see this promise fulfilled. How does that apply to us? Anybody have any thoughts about that? What is unique or special about maybe about our generation? Yeah. So people, Christians, literally for 2,000 years, right, ever since Jesus rose from the dead and people started getting saved in the way that we've been getting saved since uh, the death on the cross and the, the burial and the resurrection, ever since then, people have been talking about, I mean, Paul writes about it in the first century. In the New Testament, he writes about the rapture and, and telling people, uh, you know, that this event is coming. And he, he describes it a couple different places in the New Testament where he's talking about uh, one day there's going to be Right, a trumpet, and we're going to be caught up in the air together with him. And so, for about two thousand years, people have been Christians have been talking about when is this event going to happen? Could I possibly be one of the ones that's alive when that happens, who doesn't actually physically die, but gets raptured up and caught up in the air when Jesus comes back? And so, obviously, the the further the time goes, we're getting closer and closer to that date, just by nature of the fact that hasn't happened yet and it's going to happen in the future so we are getting closer to it uh we might be the people in this room we might be part of the the group of people that are alive when the rapture happens um that's a like a really cool event that people have been talking about uh christians specifically for the last two thousand years and so we we might be part of that generation it seems like we're going to be part of that generation um i don't know for sure that we will be but it seems like uh there's a pretty good chance that you know, we might be alive when Jesus comes back. That's something that is unique to um, to this time period, the people that are alive right now. And so, uh, of course, even if, you know, people who have died in the past who are Christians, obviously they will be caught up as well. Uh, but there's a little bit of a unique aspect to, to a group of people that will not see physical death, but get to see, but get to be raptured up um, while they're alive. And so, uh, so these guys are, are getting to be part of something that, that their ancestors and, and for hundreds of years have been talking about. And these people get to be the ones that get to go in and, uh, and take the promised land and be the first ones to set feet into the promised land uh, that they've been talking about and thinking about for literally for hundreds of years. And so, so chapter 3 ends talking about uh, the priests. Um, they're standing firm on this dry ground in the midst of the river. And, uh, and so just to, to think about crossing uh you know a river sometimes i think i don't know what you guys think about when you think about crossing the jordan river um you know now we have bridges and we have you know ways the easy ways to get across bridges but uh or get across rivers but to get 
I mean, hundreds of thousands of people and all of their stuff that they've been carrying for all these years across the river would not have been an easy thing to do uh, if not for God parting the parting the waters. And so, um, so chapter 4 starts off by saying, It came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man. So this happens a lot in... Uh, in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. There's, there's 12 tribes, and so a lot of times they're, they're supposed to take a man from each tribe to do something. And so uh, this time Joshua, or God tells Joshua, hey, get one man from each tribe. They're going rep- to be representative of their whole tribe. And you're going to send them into the water, uh, you know, still on the dry ground, where the, near where the priests are standing, and have each one of them grab this stone and carry it on their shoulder and take it to where, they're gonna, where you guys are going to spend the night tonight. Take it to the camp tonight. And um, they're, they're going to set this up as a memorial uh, to remember this event that happened um, in the life of these people. So, any of you guys ever been to a beach, no. an ocean beach, or a lake beach, or anything? Mostly an ocean beach, I guess. Yeah. Did you collect anything while you were there? Seashells. Anybody got seashells from a beach? I collected crabs. Okay. You probably didn't keep those for very long, I'm guessing. Yeah. And they have seashells from a beach at their house? Yeah? Or sand in a little bottle? Sometimes you can go buy like little souvenir bottles of sand. Okay. Or you just take it off the beach. Yeah, why do we do that? Why do we collect seashells or a cool rock or a piece of coral or a jar of sand? Why do we do that? As a memory of the of the trip, right? If you go see the ocean, uh, if you haven't seen the ocean, it's cool to go see the ocean. Um, but yeah, you take uh, a cool looking seashell or like my boys, we have, I don't know, a gallon Ziploc bag that they gathered of seashells. One of the times we went to the beach. I don't know why we have that many seashells, but uh, you gather up something to remember the trip by. Uh, we take a lot of pictures now. Obviously, everyone has access to, you know, a phone or something that could take thousands of pictures. Like when we were younger, we didn't have phones that could take that many pictures, but we would still take pictures at the beach. You want to remember uh, this occasion, right? Or maybe it's not the beach, but it's some kind of a family trip. I used to, whenever I was a teenager, I collected cool looking rocks. Um, I don't know if you guys have any rocks at home, but uh, when I would go places, we would collect a rock. You know, if you went to the mountains, you get a rock from the mountain. Or uh, when I went to Israel several or a few years ago, uh, Jeff Trude, Pastor Jeff Trude asked me, he's like, hey, could you, if it's, if it's not too big of a problem, could you get me a couple rocks while you're there? And so I got him a couple rocks, and I told him where I picked it. Okay, I got this one from the Sea of Galilee. And he's like, it's just it's cool to have a rock from the Sea of Galilee. And I got him one from another place in Jerusalem. And so I, when I brought him back to him, I told him, hey, this rock is from such and such place. This rock is from such and such place. And so... <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have wanted to bring fresh fish back on a plane. But uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have been allowed to. But anyways, it's cool to have a rock from one of those places or some kind of like souvenir. And so people still do that now. We still collect souvenirs. Uh, my family, we do magnets from a lot of places that we go. So our fridge has magnets from all these different places that we've been. Uh, we have some friends that collect picture frames from everywhere that they go. And so they put a, like a picture in the frame of the time that they were on that trip. And the, tri- the picture frame has like the name of the place on it or whatever. So different, different people collect different things. Um, but they serve as like a memory, a memorial of the trip that you went on or the place that you visited or uh, some good thing or bad thing that happened there. Um, 
when I worked at uh, Commerce Bank, I worked at Commerce Bank before I worked at the church here, and uh, I worked there and I started getting like these little trinkets of stuff on my desk that I, I would bring back stuff from trips that we went on. So we went to the Space Needle in Seattle and I got like a little metal Space Needle and I had that sitting on my desk and I had a couple other things. And then people that I worked with, when they would go on a trip somewhere, they would bring back some little tiny souvenir from their trip and give it to me. So my desk had like all these little little souvenirs of places that I had been or places that people that I worked with had been. Uh, I think I have most of those in my office here now. Um, but it's just, it's nice to like be able to visually see something and be reminded of, of a trip that you went on or, or an event that happened, um, in your life. And so, um, so there's, there's more like, those are kind of just like fun trip memories, but, um, the, the football stadium here in Harrisonville, anybody know what it's called? The actual name of the football stadium? Memorial Stadium. Memorial stadium. Why is it a, why, what's a memorial about it? Do you know? No. Huh? Yes. So if you ever go to the stadium, uh, behind the bleachers on the home side, there's, I think there's, is it, there's either two or three or maybe four, uh, like big stones by the flagpole right behind the bleachers, by the concession stand kind of. Uh, and it's in memory of people who are from Cass County that died in World War II. So it's called Memorial Stadium and we, it's, it's to remember people who gave their life serving their country in World War II. We have all kinds of memorials like that set up all over the United States. Um, so there, this is something that mankind has been doing, I mean, for thousands of years. We set up some kind of a, of a remember, a place of remembrance for people or, uh, sometimes it's prominent people like, um, if you think about like the Washington Mo- Monument in Washington DC or the Lincoln Memorial, right? These are, these are set up to commemorate or to remember these presidents who did something, uh, that was noteworthy and they wanted to remember those people by setting up a monument or a, uh, or a, um, memorial. And so we've been doing that as people, as humans for, for thousands of years. So whenever they cross this Jordan River and Josh was telling him, hey, I want you guys to collect these stones and carry them to camp tonight. And we're going to set up a memorial of these stones that whenever your children come back in verse, uh, in verse six, Joshua four, six says that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off from before. Are cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And so he tells them, hey, we're going to set up these stones. And so whenever your kids or your grandkids or their grandkids uh, want to remember, they look at these stones and they say, why did you guys set up these stones? What is this for? That you can tell them there was a time where we didn't live in this land, right? Where we had to fight for this land. And before we did that, God delivered us. He brought the Ark of the Covenant over the Jordan River. The waters parted right here at Jordan. And we came to a camp right here in this place. And we set up these stones to commemorate and to help us remember this major event that happened in our life and how God delivered us into the promised land. And it was the beginning of what was going to be years of, of fighting and battles to take these cities. But it was it was being set up as a as a reminder for anybody who saw it and for anybody who came to visit it to be able to tell people as a as a testimony of what God had done and um and just just as a way for them to look back and remember hey God was with us 
and as a reminder that God is going to be with them, uh, you know, as long as they follow him, God's going to be walking with them. And so, uh, so they set up these stones of remembrance and, uh, I had more to get into, but, um, we're going to have to stop because we got to go in and we're part of the earth baptism team today. Um, that's not really where I wanted to stop, but we're out of time. So, all right, we're going to end there for now. So we'll be, I guess we'll be in Joshua chapter four. I was planning on doing two weeks in Joshua four. Maybe we'll be three weeks now. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. So uh, does anybody have any questions about any of that? I have some applicational things that we'll talk about next week about how you can apply this in your life. So we already talked about some things, some like some things that we do, like collecting stones and seashells and stuff. Um, but there's some other applicational things that come from that. Why why they would do that and, and how we can apply that in our life. So uh, I guess we'll hit that on Sunday. So next Sunday is Winter Jam. I meant to send out an email yesterday or Friday, but I will send an email to your parents to remind them it's $15 to get in. You have to have cash for that. And uh, you have to have a card for concessions. So if you don't have a card, we'll have to figure that out. Bring some extra cash and we can use our card or something. Um, but that's next Sunday. So... We still do have class on Wednesday night as well, even though it's going to be freezing. Questions about any of this? Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, this morning, God. Thank you for uh, just a chance to get together and spend some time in your word. Uh, God, I just pray for those that are still on their way to, to church this morning. God, I ask that you would just uh, get them here safely. Uh, God, I pray for this baptism service that's uh, getting ready to happen. I just ask God that you would uh, be with those who are going to be part of